This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs at Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Wright, your host of Beyond the Bell Tower. We are now entering our sixth season, and I'm excited. I hope y'all are, because today we are getting started with the one and only Mike Farrell, class of 2011. Mike, say what's up to everybody. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Farrell, as he said. Happy to be with you. Happy to have you, man. We're looking forward to it. We have a lot of great guests coming on the show, so stay tuned for more. But today, we're getting it started off right. Uh, I met Mike through a mutual friend, Greg Hill. And uh, Greg and Mike grew up together, and Shout I go to, to church Greg. with Greg. Yep. Yeah. Shout out to Greg. Yeah, Greg is awesome, man. But he introduced us, and now I work with the both of them. Um, they're business partners, and I'm a part of that, and I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of it. So um, I'm happy to be here with him, interviewing him. And um, you, guys are, you, you guys are in store for a treat. For real. Um, so let's get started, Mike. What was your favorite thing about growing up in the area? So first, Josh, I want to say thanks for having me, man. This is dope opportunity, and you're a dope individual. So I was, when you asked me, I was definitely happy to be here. I'm happy to do it. But uh, my favorite thing about growing up in the area was probably just seeing it change. Mm. Um, like in, I don't mean the change now. Like in, I'm from Durham, North Carolina. Let's just make that clear. Um, Bull City. City. Yep. Yeah. Bull City. That's right. Yes, um, sir. Uh, yeah. It's seeing it change is one of my favorite things because I, I lived in almost every part of Durham growing up. So now when I ride through, it's so different and in, in very good ways. Sometimes some ways not so great, but um, I met a lot of great people here. Um, Greg, like, like you mentioned, um, we got a few others that are lifelong friends um, and it's a it's a beautiful place that sometimes gets a bad rap, but then mm. representing it when I go other places in the state, in the country, in the world, no greater sense of pride. So right. definitely, definitely love the people I met here and then also seeing it change for the positive has been a really good thing. Right, right. And going off of that question, Mike, about, you know, where you're from, you know, I'm from Durham, too. Right. And when it was time for me to start going on college visits, I would go to a school and tell them where I'm from and some of the kids would give me this look, this scary look, you know, uh, and I think it's because of the rep that Durham has right. across the state. Can you True. talk a little bit about that? Have you experienced anything, any, you know, surprise looks from being from Durham and yeah, what's your absolutely. experience been like? A hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's comical. I'm, I'm smiling because it's funny, like, that Durham is, a, it's not a big place, first of all. It's yeah. not, it's not a, we're not a huge city. We're not a, a, a Chicago, New York, obviously, but like, we're not even like a Charlotte or a Raleigh per se. Um, but everyone's heard of it if you're mm -hmm. from North Carolina. Everybody's heard of Durham because we get a bad rap. You know, we have crime and things like that, but it's no more than really any other city. I have never been in Durham at any point where I didn't feel safe, mm -hmm. like, um, or feel like I was in any kind of immediate danger. But like I said, just like any other major city, like we have places that you don't go at certain times because it may or may not be safe. Like, 
Um, but it's never been, like I said, a place where I felt unsafe. Now, that said, going to NC State and going to any college visit, actually, this happened a couple of different times. People will say, and it's not NC State, it's not unique to NC State, but yeah. it's that people will say, okay, where are you from? Kind of similar situation. Like, oh, from Durham. They all look at you like, have you ever been shot at? Like, no, like, yeah. no, no, nah. Do I know people that have been shot? Yes, absolutely. I know things that people that things have happened to, but I also know people that have been that are from Cary or from other, somewhere else that have been in situations yeah. that they probably aren't really happy about or proud of or or felt completely safe in. And it's not again, it's not a knock against the Durham community, but or, or anybody else asking the question. But it's definitely something that I have experienced and. I kind of have a chip on my shoulder as a result of it because then I realized that like, okay, they hear I'm from Durham. They're making an assumption that, you know, maybe I didn't go to the best school or I don't know what I'm talking about or I'm not capable. And so I'm like, nah, nah, let me, let me put on for my city. Let me make sure that I'm operating at the highest possible caliber that I can to make sure that if you hear, oh, Durham's bad, hopefully in the back of your mind go, well, wait, hold, Mike's from Durham yeah. and Mike's not bad. So Mike's it can't cool. be all bad. Mike, yeah, Mike's all right. Yeah, like, cool, yeah. Mike, cool. Like, or, or I hope that. I appreciate that. Like, it can't, maybe can't be all bad. So that's where I'm at with that. But, yeah, I definitely feel that experience. I've definitely been there. Yeah, you don't fear the 919. Just be aware of your surroundings just like anywhere else. For sure. Man, as growing up in Durham myself, I say the same thing. I wouldn't change the experience for the world. Not at all. Um, so let's get into your interests. What were you interested in growing up um, as a kid? What were, what were your hobbies? <laughs> uh, growing up, um, first of all, basketball. You know, every every kid want to go to the league. Everybody. Um, but uh, I really quickly realized that wasn't going to be for me. That's all right. But uh, I still love, love, love ball, love hooping, love watching basketball, talking about it. Met some of my best friends um, in, in playing basketball, uh, played against them, played with them. Um, another good friend of ours, Sid, um, Sidney Evans, who is um, does a lot of audio production and things like that now, um, is another person I met that way and still lifelong friend. Um, I love to draw, like always been creative or finding different ways to do things, um, enjoy music. Not really a whole lot more than that. Like, I mean, I, I love hanging out with the friends, yeah. chopping it up, talking junk, like <laughs> about our favorite sports teams, about each other sometimes. Uh, yeah, just uh, I'm recently into golf now, but okay. uh, growing up, yeah, it was definitely basketball, music and art. Okay. So what is it in particular that made you interested in NC State? It's a good question, man. Like because I went to a basketball camp. We we had team camp my freshman year, eighth, mm -hmm. between eighth grade and freshman year of high school at NC State, um, and I was walking campus like almost like a student myself. And I was like, this is this kind of dope. That was like probably one of my first experiences solo, like as as a, a individual on a college campus. Like I had my parents had taken me to college campuses before my dad particularly. Um, but like by myself without like chaperones all the time. And I was like, man, this is kind of dope. And then when it came time to pick a school, I knew I didn't want to go super far away, mm -hmm. but I wanted to get away to get some more independence. And um, I always characterize NC State, you know, being from Durham as just close enough and just far enough away to kind of do my own thing. And yeah. um, my favorite color is red. Okay. Uh, so that, that didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, it, it was one of those things, like, even from a young age, like, oh, yeah, red's my favorite color. Okay. So it didn't hurt. That that, that helped solidify it. And then my dad and I actually went to a um, a, uh, a a tour. Um, I, I can't remember the purpose of the tour or what it was called, but we went there. And he and I decided to um, take this tour together and 
we ended up talking to some other brothers, like actually some other young black guys that went to NC State. And I was just like, okay, this is, this is, this is cool. This feels like home. It's got, I got a yeah. good vibe here. And when it came time to apply and make a choice, I got in and there's a story behind that too, but I got in and the rest was history. Yeah. And I agree with you, man. NC State does have a home feel type to it. It's For huge. Sure. It's yeah. big, but it still has that home feel. You it never feels that big. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, you know, it's 30 some thousand people that right. are students that are enrolled in NC State at any given time, but you never feel 30 some thousand people unless you're at a football game, which yeah. that's pretty dope too. But um, I definitely do. I wanted to go to a bigger school. I knew that. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to go to a school with like good sports, yeah. like good sports teams, like or teams where I could go see, you know, some of the other teams that I like. I watched growing up the Dukes, the Carolinas, the Wake Forests. You know, all them, and then of course NC State holding their own in that regard as well. Um, it, it was, it became. I don't want to say it was a no-brainer because I definitely put a lot of thought into it, but it became really, really apparent. Like, yeah, this is where I want to be. Yeah, and it gives you the full experience of for everything sure. you could ask for. Yeah, hundred percent. That's awesome. That's awesome. So going into school, you know, what would you say some of your strengths were? School was a strength in general for okay. me growing up. I was I was one of those kids that didn't really have to study a whole lot. Okay. Um, like. I enjoyed, I actually enjoyed school. A lot of people, like, that's one thing I realized in going to, going to NC State and, and going to, just in life, going to different places. And you talk about your experiences in life, you talk about high school, and a lot of people didn't like high school. And I realized why, you know, it's a tough experience for a lot of people. You're going through a lot of different things, a lot of different changes. I really enjoyed high school. Like, I'm that weird dude that, like, I like school. Um, I went to Durham School of the Arts here in Durham, um, and I really enjoyed it. It was not a huge yeah. class. Like everybody in our senior class knew each other. Um, yeah. Not necessarily saying we was all cool. Like a lot of people were cool with each other, but you know, the people are people. Um, but we all, everybody, you walk down the hall and you knew everybody's name. Um, so it was large enough that you could actually do different things and, and be involved in different stuff and have different groups of, you know, and it's not always the same people, but small enough that you got to at least know a little bit about every single person. Yeah. So did that close knit community kind of help you to um, relate more to people, even as you got to a you know a bigger school like NC State? Yeah. Um, I, so that's actually another strength to answer your original question is like I feel like I, I don't fear talking to anyone. Okay. Like I will, I'm the dude in the line. You know, we stand in the line, at a restaurant. And they take it forever. I'm just, I look at the person man. They take it forever. They're they struggling back there yeah. today, aren't they? And yeah. I'll strike up a conversation and seeing other people be receptive to that really at, at NC State really helped me go, oh, okay, this is something I can do. I, sure. I fit here. So like I said, school's a strength. Um, I really enjoy learning. Not to say that it always comes easy because I struggle with calculus. Um, <laughs> but but I made it through. But actually, I'm making some really good connections uh, as a result of that struggle. So there, there's a story there too as well. Um, but yeah, that, that was it. Like relating to people, uh, going, like do learning, doing school, the process of school. Yeah. Um, I'm a, t I'm a hard worker. Um, I'm the type of guy that will play the same level of a, of a video game until I beat it. Like, and I'm gonna sit there until I beat it. So like, even when there's times that I got down and there were times, my, I always went back to, I'm, I'm not gonna let this beat me. Um, yeah, finish what you start. Exactly, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Finish you. what you start, but also like, not only do I, if I finish it, like, man, I finished it, but I only got like a one star. I'm going back for the five yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, so. That's cool. So Mike here is actually a first-generation college student. Can you talk about that a little bit, Mike? What was the uh, applying process like, and how was it in terms of the help that you had looking for 
you know, what to look for in a good college. Yeah, so um, that is it's a funny question. Like, I never, until you asked that question, I never really unpacked it. Like, I started, yeah. I, I kind of am conscious of it, but not yeah. really ever giving it, like, full thought. But um, my dad and my mom are huge influences on me. Um, my dad, first and foremost, because he always talked about, you know, experience being the greatest teacher. And I knew if I wanted to go somewhere beyond where I came from, that I needed to experience more. Like I needed to grow more and college seemed like the next logical step. Mm -hmm. And then for my mom, my mom is always like this, she's big on faith. Like she's where I kind of get my belief in God and then the instillment of understanding who God is for me personally um, from her. And the combination of the two of them continuing to encourage me and also me realizing like, you know what? I have this opportunity and my parents support it completely. I need to go make something good of this. Yeah. I need to go do something bigger than myself. And maybe I can actually make a difference in my little small family unit. And it's, I can say it's been a very, very positive thing. Yeah. And I love how you emphasize the support that your family gave you. For sure. Because that's, that's really important if you want to get to where you want to get to. 100%. 100%. I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my, 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 my sisters. Um, I have two younger sisters. Um, <laughs> we're, we're tight. Those are my girls. Like, those are, like, I could talk about them, but you can't kind of thing. Yeah. Like, that's... Uh, they're a huge inspiration and I wanted to see, I wanted them to see me do it. Yeah. Um, and to let them know that they can. And also just to say, hey, you know what? It, it's one of them things that this is different. Yeah. And it's okay to be different. And it's okay to be smart. And it's okay to chase a dream. And if you do it and you go at it wholeheartedly with faith, like I said, then, you know, who knows what you can do. Yeah, for sure. Um, so going to NC State, as we know, NC State is a PWI. And Mike here is a black male. Could, so can you talk about your experience of going to a PWI as a black male? What were some of the concerns that you had going into it? For sure. And just for, you know, uh, so everyone knows, PWI, predominantly white institution, okay. versus our counterpart, which would be historically black college or university. But uh, NC State being a PWI, traditionally. I went to a very, we'll say cosmopolitan high school. People from all different cultures. Was it predominantly white probably but I didn't necessarily feel it mm -hmm. like because we were all doing different things we we're all kind of you know doing like I, I was in the orchestra like of all things at, at DSA I played the cello um, really enjoyed it there were black white Hispanic Native American Asian students in all the classes that I took just about so it never really it wasn't strange to me now did I know I'm do I know I'm a black man and did I know I was a black man there that I experienced you know, what I would consider pre prejudice or racism there? Absolutely. Like, but it didn't cross my mind that I was going to a PWI versus an HBCU. It was just, oh, this school is a place I feel comfortable because I think there's cool opportunities here and I've met some cool people that go there, many of which were actually black. I was like, oh, okay, this feels cool. This yeah. seems like a, a good thing. Um, it did become more apparent to me in the like application process and then getting accepted and starting to make decisions. And I'm hearing some of my other friends make decisions about where they're going. It became more of a, a conversation point of, oh, you're going there versus here. And I'm like, okay. And it wasn't a, I think I'm gonna get a better opportunity here. Or I think, I don't think that that school, you know, is gonna give me a good opportunity. It was really more about where I felt at home, where I yeah. felt there was an opportunity for me to go handle business the way that I wanted to. Because my, my goal going to college wasn't to shine. Yeah. It was to go and learn and develop and make, and make connections 
yeah. and 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 enjoy it, like and have fun. Like, I'm gonna keep it hundred to have fun, and that's what I did. Yeah, and not to say it didn't matter where I went to do that because I knew it does matter where you go to do that. You got to go where you feel like you're gonna get an opportunity to do what you want to do, to accomplish what you want to accomplish. It just so happened that NC State fit me, and NC State happens to be a PWI. Yeah. Yeah, you talk about, you know, fitting in a little bit and making those connections. What are some things that you did as a young student, like as a freshman, to make sure that you were, you know, um, connecting with people, finding things to do outside of just your classwork? Sure, yeah. Um, One of my, I think, best decisions I made after going to NC State was, um, joining what they call the Say Village or Students Advocating for Youth, S-A-Y, um, Village, which uh, is over, it was, when I was there, it was housed in Syme Hall, which is on okay. East Campus. Yeah. Um, if, if you're in College of Education or Design, you know Syme Hall, it's on that side. Um, or, or Chas, uh, for that yeah, matter. Yeah, Chas. Chas, yeah, big shout out to Chas as well. Um, that was one of the coolest decisions. And what we did is we actually, uh, once a week, would go to a local um, elementary school, two of them actually. It was Hunter Elementary and Fuller Elementary at the time. I don't know if they still go there or not. But um, we would go there once a week. We'd work with some students in their after school program, like rather just kind of just talking to them, advocating for them. It wasn't necessarily, it wasn't a tutoring thing. We didn't necessarily help with homework, yeah. but we literally just talked to them. And it was really cool because I met some cool young, young kids. Uh, met some cool teachers, and it kind of started giving me a little bit of a taste of what Raleigh is as a community. Like, at least that that small community in Raleigh, those small communities in Raleigh. Like, Raleigh as a whole is a community, but then there are obviously smaller communities within that. And it reminded me, like, oh, this is really similar to Durham. Mm-hmm. Um, just like we were talking about earlier, Durham gets a reputation. So does Raleigh, so does Cary, so does Morrisville, et cetera, et cetera, Apex, all of them. So me actually getting out into the community was really cool, and it actually expanded my understanding and my kind of circle within NC State. So that was really cool. And I actually um, met a lot of people, um, met, uh, we had to move in three days early. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the reasons I was like, oh yeah, I want to get on campus as quickly yeah. as I can. So let me, that, that was the sweetener um, to the deal. And you live with the people that are, in, it's called a village because you live mm-hmm. with the people that are in the program with you. Um, and I ended up meeting some of like, one of my best friends in the world, uh, my boy Spencer Johnson. Um, I met my wife the next year um, and just still people that I'm cool with to this day. Um, And it was just really it opened my eyes to a lot of different things and provided a lot of different opportunities. Um, So that was Save Village. I also worked at the bookstore. Okay, that was really cool Um, because I got to see almost everybody because at some point everybody comes through the bookstore. Yeah. Um, one way or another, like you got whether it's getting your textbooks or coming uh, before a game um, on Saturdays or Friday nights. Um, I got to see a lot, meet a lot of people, meet a lot of parents, meet a lot of other members of the community that had affiliations to uh, NC State, uh, which was really cool. Um, yeah, like I actually got to like talk to a lot of the people that you would see as celebrities, like people that are now in the NFL, mm. in the NBA. It's just like, oh man, I met you. Like, cool. And not that I'm like, I would walk up to them and be like, oh, we're friends and buddies, but it's yeah. just really cool to be exposed to that because once again, we talked about it. NC State is 30,000, 33,000 yeah. students enrolled very diverse. Yeah, super diverse, but also it's possible that you could see somebody one day and never see them again in your exactly. college experience. Um, or you see them on the field, but you never actually see them in class. So it was really cool to see that. And um, I learned a lot there as well, but that was really cool working in the bookstore. I also got my books on free, for free, which is really that's cool. Big. They weren't free. They were, all, they were on loan, but I, I didn't have to no, pay for a, them. That's big. I just had to give them back when I was done. That's big, because every semester, once that check comes, it's crazy. <sighs> once that um, book oh, yeah. check comes. That, that, bill is, that bill is real. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real bill, for real. Yeah. 
So let's talk about your major a little bit. What right. was your major while you were at NC State and why'd you choose it? So I majored in technology education with a concentration in graphic communication. Okay. Which was really dope. Um, it was, I kind of stumbled into it. Like, it was one of those things where I, I originally wanted to go to the design school. Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, I didn't get accepted. Like, mm-hmm. which is fine. NC State has one of the dopest design schools, like, in the country. Mm-hmm. So, like, I didn't really feel bad about it. And also, I wasn't really completely prepared with all the things that I needed to try to try to even, you know, appeal to that process. Like, or appeal to them as, as a student, per se. So, that was just lack of knowledge on my part. But um, I had a really good advisor. Um, actually, no, it, she was the... I think at the time the associate dean of the College of Education because I put education as my second choice yeah. um, on my application. So it was design and then College of Education. I actually didn't put a third. Um, and there's actually a story behind that which I'll tell you. But um, the associate dean, her name was Anona Smith-Williams at College of Ed was like, hey, Mike, we have something that's kind of got some similar elements to design. Would you be interested in exploring it? And I said, okay. And it ended up being this graphic communication curriculum. Now, GC, as we called it, um, graphic communications, GC focused a little bit more on like manufacturing and materials processing, but then there was also this media side of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I started learning things like iMovie and um, a lot of like, we're doing things with Photoshop and Adobe InDesign, with some of the stuff I had used in high school, going to Durham School of the Arts or whatever. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, this, this feels kind of similar. Yeah. Um, at least I convinced myself that it did. I was like, all right, let me give this a try. So I ended up doing it. I ended up really, really enjoying it. And um, I didn't know how much it would actually really impact my life in a very positive way, making that decision to kind of stay with, stay the course and stay with it. Cool. So it's something that you stayed within going into your career. Yeah, absolutely. So um, really quick backstory uh, is that originally when I applied to NC State, I got rejected. Mm-hmm. Like, well, not necessarily rejected. I didn't get in. There's and there's a reason I'm differentiating that. Is um, I filled out my application. I didn't put a second or third choice in the application. I had one. It was College of Design. Mm-hmm. So it was like this or nothing. And um, my dad, like my grades were really good in high school. I uh, had good extracurriculars, and he actually was just like something doesn't feel right. So he drove to Raleigh. This is part of the reason that like NC State was really a good choice for me because it was just close enough to home, but just far enough away that I could move back and forth. And I guess people could move back and forth to advocate on my behalf. And my dad came to NC State and he went to the Office of Admissions and it turns out he asked about me and the lady that he spoke to, and I don't remember her name, I apologize for that, but she said, hang on one second. And she brought him back, brought back to her office and was like, it's really funny because his file is literally on my desk right now. Um, And it was like two or three files, maybe more, but like, he, my dad's like, he's like, I'm sitting there. He's like, I literally sift, sift through and pull your file. And goes, yeah, he got admitted to the university, but his college choice, he unfortunately wasn't able to get into, but he didn't put a second choice, second or third choice. So we didn't, we couldn't put him anywhere. Uh, we could, we could, we couldn't send him the full acceptance. So if he goes on, like my dad calls me, I'm at school now. Back then, cell phones weren't allowed to be used during school. My dad called me. I had my phone on me, and I was like, okay, dad's calling me. He knows I'm at school. It must be important. I answered the phone. He was like, hey, I just left the admissions office. Um, I'm literally standing right outside of it. Go get to a computer as quick as you can. Go to your application and put in a second choice. And if they have availability and space, you're, you're, you're in. 
I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I just spoke to her. He's like, you didn't put a second choice. And I was like, oh. So I was in a really cool, uh, I was actually in, uh, I believe it was my psychology class. Huh. Shout out shout to Josh. To Sike, yeah, shout to out to Sike. Sike. Yeah, shout out to Josh with a psychology major. But I was in a psychology class. Uh, one of my favorite teachers at high school, Tom Magranet. Um, I was like, hey, Mr. Mag, can I, can I use your computer real quick? He was like, yeah. So he used it, logged in, put a second choice. I got an acceptance a couple of days later. Like wow. it had processed. And I was in a dark place when, uh, when I, I felt, or felt like I had gotten rejected or not heard back because a lot of my friends were getting their acceptances. And I was like, man, what, what did I do wrong? And um, my dad knew that. And he was like, something just didn't feel right. He, he even tells this story. He's like, something didn't feel right. So I had to go back. And he's like, I just happened to be up that way. It's like, let me swing by. And he's like, it just so happened that it's like, I literally have his file on my desk among a couple others. But this is what happened. Yeah. So, yeah, that's um, that happened in getting in. And then. I had to find a major mm-hmm. at that point, and Dr. Smith Williams, as I said earlier, came and was like, "Hey, was this something you'd be interested in?" And I was like, "I'll try it. Let's do it." Great okay. decision. Wow. See, there's the benefit of that family support for sure. Without dad, who knows where you end up? Exactly. Hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I might have went to Carolina or something. Well, you know, God forbid that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the look and the feel of NC State when you were there. Bricks. Uh, you were there, of course. <laughs> you were there from 2007 to 2011, correct? That's right, yep. All right, now we're in 2022. And every now and then you go back to Canada. Hold on, Josh, don't say it like that, man. Hey. Oh, don't say it like that. Okay, so two, yeah, 11 years ago I graduated, that's right. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. <laughs> that's true. Um, but every now and then you go back to games and things like that, you're very familiar with what campus looks like now. Absolutely. Can you talk about the difference and how, you know, you know the look and the feel is mm. compared to when you were in school? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, one thing I love about NC State is that it's still bricks. Yeah. It's still, it's, we, we brick with the best of them. Like, I trip on about three a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the things that you know you went to NC State, if you can trip on a brick and keep yeah. walking like nothing happened. Yeah. Like, so that's, that's part of your graduation process. But um, it's a beautiful campus. Um, more buildings are there. Uh, like, it's cool because they've added new buildings. They've taken away some buildings. And it still feels very much the same. Like, I was very fortunate to walk up um, almost daily across uh, one of the most beautiful spots on campus called the Court of Carolinas. Yep. Like, lush green the juxtaposition or the contrast of the um green grass and the red brick is just it's beautiful and then they got the trees all around it it's it's really when you think about a college campus at least when i grew up thinking about college campuses people sitting on the quad you know reading stuff the quarter carolinas is that for me i was like oh this is beautiful um things like uh harrelson which is not there anymore i was remember we were talking about that a bit earlier um is that uh like this giant round building that was in the middle of the brickyard um, it's not there anymore. And actually, I was talking to Josh earlier about it. And he was like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's crazy to see it in a spot. Now it's just an open space that people walk through all the time. Yeah. I mean, so that's that's really different. Um, one of the coolest renovations, there's two of them actually, but one of the coolest ones was actually Reynolds Coliseum renovation. Okay. Reynolds is beautiful. Like, yeah. it's one of the most historic, like, coliseums or historic venues in ACC basketball. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to go to NC State as well, because I love basketball. I wanted to be somewhere with some rich history. Yeah. And that was really dope. So seeing that transformation was crazy. Um, and then also students in Tally. Yeah. Tally looks way different. Like I remember they started building Tally, I think the, either the year or two years after I graduated. Mm-hmm. And I went back on campus for a meeting or something. And 
I was like, man, it's like a spaceship landed in the middle of campus, but it is really cool. Y'all got a lot of a lot better food than we had. A lot of different eating places too. So yeah, that's really cool to see. Um, one of the places I spent a lot of time was uh, Carmichael Gym. That's it's good to see that that's still there, still yeah. holding it down. Had some good uh, good battles on the hardwood there. That was a good time. Yeah. Um, played racquetball there a couple of times. Intramural All Star. Oh yeah. yeah. No, nah, I don't know about All Star. Okay. But, but okay. uh, intramurals for sure, for sure. Uh, we intramural football maybe a little okay. bit, maybe a little bit. Uh, we um, we won the uh, dorm league championship two years in a row. I think it was. Wow. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. So let's talk about your life at NC State. What was that like? What were you involved in? Clubs, relationships, <laughs> things like that. All right. Um, first of all, I love going to uh, basketball and football games. Um, I really learned to tailgate my sophomore year because um, I had a couple of friends that were actually some of them freshmen, some of them were sophomores as well, but they were huge into football. And I was like, all right, cool. They're like, Mike, come and go with us. I'm like, yeah, this is great. And we started learning how to, like, we were grilling and bringing food and, and, and drinks and stuff and just having a great time. Um, and then I go into this football game, and we were actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. So it was easy to cheer for the team. And I kind of got engrossed in this ACC football culture and mm -hmm. learned to love it. So now, I mean, my family, like, we're season ticket holders. Um, so that's really cool. Like, um Clubs, I didn't really do a whole lot of clubs. I did a couple of things. I was a college of education ambassador for a little while. That was really cool. Um, I actually got to call, like, kind of cold call potential students mm -hmm. um, that had, like, registered to be called and um, answer their questions, which was really interesting. That was kind of one of my first kind of introductions to realizing that I was a play, at a place that people kind of aspired to be. Like, I'm, I'm a, a young person that's not that much older than you are, but I'm calling you and saying, hey, I'm at NC State. What's, uh, you know, you have any questions about that? Um, I don't know if I convinced anybody to come or, def or deferred them or, not, or deterred them from coming, but it was just really cool to have the opportunity to represent not only the College of Education, but the university as a whole in that, in that capacity. And then feel like I actually had some knowledge to offer somebody, mm -hmm. um, somebody that was similar to me. Um, trying to make a decision, trying to figure it out. I talked to uh, some people I'm sure that were first generation college students like myself. Um, remember hearing a couple of parents in the background go, oh, ask them about you know the, the meal plan. Like, mm -hmm. uh, well, I got this many meals per week, but you don't actually have to use them all, uh, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. It was really, really cool. So that was one of the really great, great experiences. Um, like I said, I was in the student, uh, students advocating for Youth Village. That took a lot of the time, which was really cool um, in a good way. And that was really kind of, my experience and as i said earlier i met my wife there um mm -hmm. she, we were actually in the same program um yeah she and i started dating in 2009 we're expecting our second kid very soon awesome congratulations <laughs> been married a little bit of five, about five years so. yeah yeah that's awesome you talk about that uh, that acc culture yeah that's really attracting to a lot of students it is myself i'm a big sports fan yep. so i knew i wanted to go to a school that took that seriously too so for sure that, that football and basketball field it's a lot of fun to get involved in absolutely and i mean i'll be honest with you i want to have bragging rights amongst my friends yeah i was like you know hey my team will beat your team like mm -hmm. or my team did beat your team yeah so. so now let's get into the um it's 2011 all right you're about to graduate what were some concerns that you had about to go into the professional world was mm. there anything that you were really fearing or concerned about in terms of how to get this type of job yeah um couple of things so I'm actually I was really really fortunate um, and I look back over my college experience I realized how much of things were like laid out for me in a good in such a good way yeah. um, I actually didn't feel super 
nervous because I had actually interned with the company all of two or like from July of 2010 all the way to May of 2011, which was my graduation day mm-hmm. in May. Um, so I was com- confident that I had some work experience and I had learned a lot in that in that internship. And I was a little nervous because I was like, okay, what now? You know, what if my, I can't continue the internship if I'm not a student? I thought, um, and if they don't have any like place for me to to join the team full time, then you know what do I do? And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm moving back home and applying for jobs. And I applied for you know a couple of things. I had a few, quite a few interviews actually, um, and uh, nothing really felt great. And um, I remember. I think either a day or two days before graduation, it might have been, I think it was the day before graduation, I was packing up my dorm room and I got a call from my boss from my internship. Mm-hmm. And uh, a guy named Steve Mahaley, still one of my uh, best mentors now. Um, he said, hey man, I uh, got some good news. I said, okay, what's up? He said, if you are available, we'd like to extend your internship into a slightly different type of program um, forgive me, I don't remember the exact the exact details of that part, but he said we'd like to extend you um, for until end of June, mm-hmm. and at this point it's the beginning of May. So I'm like, oh man, that's amazing, that's great. Yeah, I'm I'm down. Like like sign me up because I really enjoy working there, and working yeah. with him and the team is uh, particular. And like I remember looking at my roommate at the time, and I was like, man, I just got great news. And like at that point, I relaxed mm-hmm. because I was like, at the very least, I got you know, seven to eight more weeks to figure this thing out. Well, about a week after graduation, so graduation was the next day after he called me, about a week after graduation, they hired me. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is this is awesome. And I realized then how blessed I was because I saw a bunch of friends that graduated as well and it, they struggled. They couldn't get jobs right away. And we realized how hard the job market was and how real it was. Mm-hmm. But thankfully I was, able to get hired. Um, I never actually had to move back home. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved, or maybe I moved back home for like two weeks or so, but I was, I moved back home for a couple of weeks and then I moved into my own place and uh, immediately in the adulthood. <laughs> wow. Is there anything that you look back on your NC State experience and be like, I wish I did that? Yeah, a couple of things. I wish I would have maybe tried to study abroad. Okay. That, I think that would have been That's cool. Huge, yeah. yeah, I I try I thought about it, but then I wasn't really completely clear on the process and how much things cost, um, and then also like what programs I could actually do to actually benefit from it, not only from an experiential perspective, but from a uh, a learning perspective and a credits perspective, yeah. right? Like I didn't want to waste a summer or quarter or semester if it wasn't going to benefit my my degree audit basically like my path to graduation and i was really kind of on this four in four out kind of mentality which i don't necessarily think is always necessary mm-hmm. like if it, if it makes sense it makes sense but i, I wish i would have maybe taken advantage of that at least ask more questions it, might, yeah. it, might, it still might not have worked but at least ask more questions about it um wish i'd have done that wish i'd have got involved in a couple more maybe clubs yeah um just to see more about like certain things that I might have been interested in. Like, I heard there was a jewelry making club. It probably is. Like, but like, like not like, like beads and stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. If, you know, shout out to people that do beads. That's cool. Yeah. But like, they actually like, like polished stones and stuff like that. I was like, man, that might've been kind of cool to try. Um, stuff like that. Um, 
<laughs> one of my friends was in a uh, the acapella singing group. I don't know if that would have been for me, but maybe going <laughs> checking that out a little bit more. Like I don't know. Um, I just wish I would have maybe tried more things and just kind of gave more things an opportunity to say, hey, you know, let me let me just see what it is because. I was on a mission and I realized that I didn't have to be as locked on to only the mission as right. I was. That's helpful. That's helpful. You heard it here first. Give it a chance, no matter what it is. Study abroad, yeah. new clubs, get into it while you can. Absolutely. Give it a shot. Try it. I mean, the coolest thing about college in general, and I know this is kind of a little bit off topic, but it's a place where you can try things with a pretty with a safety net. Like mm -hmm. you were supposed to try and learn and even fail in certain ways. I'm not saying go out here and fail classes on purpose, but like fail in in what you're pursuing and and learn like give it a shot because when you get out into the real world it's it's a it's not that you can't fail it's just the time is a little different okay your time is your time has to be used a little differently um and and it's not quite as conducive to what you might be doing like failing does not help paying my bills mm -hmm. like once i've graduated but while i'm at you know while i was in nc state or while you're in college in general yeah like you said give it a shot yeah. see what happens all right, cool. So now let's get into the professional world. Can you tell us a little bit about Feral 27 Creative Media? Sure. What does that mean? What is it to you? Loaded question. Um, Feral mm -hmm. 27 Creative Media is a LLC. Um, I started as a sole proprietorship in 2013. Um, truthfully, I am a graphic designer professionally. Um, and I was doing some presentation work and a, a, a person asked me, um, hey, would you be interested in putting together some presentations for me? I need somebody to do it. The person I usually go with isn't available. I said, yeah, sure, that'd be great. Um, they're like, hey, okay, cool. Well, give me this, here's this application or this uh, this form, fill it out for me and uh, give it back so I can pay you. I'm like, okay, great. I get to a line on that and social security number. I was like, I don't know this dude. I'm not giving him my social security number. Right. But then I also saw the line on there said EIN or business or tax ID number. And I was like, okay. And I understood a little bit about starting a business. I've always wanted to own my own business. I just wasn't sure how or what it would be. So that day, in like the 20 minutes of reading that, that paper he gave me, I was like, all right, I need to start a business. So I started a sole proprietorship, sole proprietorship got, that, uh, got that information, sent it back to him, and that was the beginning of Pharaoh 27. Okay. Um, and uh, going from there, it just grew. Like I was doing stuff for him, um, like maybe once or twice every month or so, every month or two, to other people finding out, hey, do you, hey, I, you know, I saw those slides you did, or I saw that presentation you did. Could you help me with mine? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And, you know, making a little bit of money here and there. And one thing led to another, and it it, it grew. Um, I started expanding into different stuff other than just putting present PowerPoint presentations together, which I never knew, thought I, I've always been interested in PowerPoint specifically, even when yeah. I was like little, like I did my first PowerPoint presentation when I was in the third grade mm -hmm. um, or fourth grade. But point is that I never thought I'd be able to get paid to do it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to make some extra money. I had a job. I was doing this on the side in the evenings or early in the morning and, you know, making a little bit of extra bread. And that was cool. And then I kind of, got introduced to some different types of media, um, what they call webinar technology. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is really cool. And one thing led to another and that, meeting other people, and I ended up teaching somebody else how to do it. And I'll tell the whole story in a little bit, but that using that connection, she ended up taking what I had taught her to a whole bunch of other places and then calling me to come in as her expert. Mm -hmm. Wow. And they're like, hey, can we pay you for your time? 
yes, you can pay me for my time, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. we'll have to dive deeper, a little bit deeper than that one, Josh, because there's a lot to unpack there. Okay. Um, so how long did you work for someone before you started working for yourself? About 12, almost 12 years. So like probably like 11 and a half years, um, I had a full-time job, um, salary position, which was really cool. Um, and then actually in February of 2022, I left. Mm. Okay, so you're recently. Yeah, absolutely. Were there any fears in leaving? kind of doing your own thing or were you kind of prepared for it? A hundred percent fears. Okay. Um, not, it wasn't a hundred percent fear, but a hundred percent I had fear. Yeah. Um, but I was really more excited. Like I'm not one person, I'm not a person, I think as we talked about earlier, I don't necessarily shy away from a challenge. And if you tell me I can't do something, I'm probably gonna try to figure out a way to do it. Um, now if you tell me I shouldn't do something, then maybe I'll listen to you. But like, even I had, I had people telling me that too. And I was like, you know what? No, I, I really believe in this. Okay. And I had kind of been doing my own thing on the side, early mornings, late, late in the evening. Um, and I go to go to my job during the day and it was it was becoming more and more lucrative. And I was realizing there was more and more of a market for the skills that I have and, and the things that I can do. And I enjoy meeting new people and trying new things and doing new challenges. And I'll be honest, like at, at my regular job, I wasn't being challenged the same way anymore. Um, no, you know, no disrespect to them, to that to that organization. I learned a ton working for them and um, am truly grateful for that experience. But uh, it was time for me to kind of set out on my own, I felt. And yeah. it took, it was a, it was not an easy decision. It was actually nerve wracking. I, I probably had been thinking about it for about s probably a year or two. And then really heavily, probably about six months before it actually happened. Um, and then I had a situation where uh, we mentioned him earlier, Greg Hill, my business partner, you know, kind of he and I had talked about some things and Realized, like, you know what, man, maybe it is time. And we did it. All right. And I did it and stepped out. Cool. So, in your opinion, yeah. right, in, in your company and your business's model and its vision, mm. what does success mean? Success, first and foremost, for me in a business sense, is making people feel better after they talk to you than before. Like, mm. I want people to see Feral 27 Creative or anything that I'm affiliated with and immediately rest easier. Yeah. Go, you know what? They got my back. They, they're going to be there. And not only are they going to make me feel good, they're going to deliver what I need and what, what they promised. And then, truthfully, if there's something we can't do, I'll be honest with you. Hey, that's not something we're really familiar with, but I believe we can do it. Here's why. And I put it back on the client and say, hey, you know, would you like to explore this with us? If not, no hard feelings. But if so, we're going to give you everything we got. Um, that's the next pillar of it probably is just giving everything we have. Mm -hmm. Like trying things and saying, hey, you know what? One thing you can count on us is you're going to get good customer service. We're going to problem solve and we're going to communicate with you through the process. Yeah. That, that's success for me. Okay. So in taking this big step, you know, are there any particular setbacks that you can remember? You and you and Greg that you guys went through and, you know, <laughs> taking this next step into getting your own thing. Setbacks, I would say probably realizing that not everybody operates on the same wavelength from a business perspective. Even businesses are people that you would expect to be the utmost professional. Not to say they're not professional. They just may not communicate on the level that you'd expect. Like, um, I mean, I'm sure you could probably relate, Josh. You walk onto a college campus, you know, you probably heard it in high school. Um, like, oh, you know, college professors aren't going to help you. You better do your homework yeah. now kind of thing. Yeah. 
no, nah, when you walk on a college campus, uh, you kind of walk in scared, like, oh man, oh, I can't ask for help. But then you realize like, no, some professors, you know, are, are more busy than others. So they may not be able to help you or offer that type of assistance. But I, the vast majority that I've come across, if you go and talk to them and they see that you're actually trying and you're doing what you're supposed to do and upholding your side of the agreement of learning in terms of bringing effort every day and, and showing up on time and doing the things you can control, they'll help you. The same thing applies in business uh, is that it's not always going to be most of the time. Actually, in fact, it's not what you think. It's not, oh, these people are, you know, this is a CEO of such and such company. He's never going to talk to me or he's going to talk down to me. You know, she's a cool person. He's a cool guy. They're, they're a cool company or their, comp their company identity that you, I, that you see isn't necessarily who they are as individuals. And that has been both a good thing and a bad thing in some certain situations. Like I've, we, one of the major setbacks we've had is we've had a client before say, yeah, we're coming at you for X amount of money uh, for this project. And all of a sudden we don't hear from them again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we start preparing or we've already done work. Right. And then they ghost or the budget gets cut or whatever. It happens. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you talked about effort and the importance of effort, especially in college, because I'm finding with my professors, like you have your difficult classes, difficult exams and things like that. Yep. If they see you're trying and you're coming every day and working hard to get right. the material, they're going to help you. Yeah. And that's really what I love about NC State and college in general. For sure. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, what would you say are some things that people need to keep in mind if they wanted to start a business of their own? What are some key takeaways that you have for them that would help them? First of all, the process isn't fast. The process of starting, of, of establishing a business it's pretty easy depending on what state you live in yeah. like but it's not super complicated i think especially with like being able to go online and find a whole bunch of resources the it's the fruit is a lot lower hanging than it was maybe for our parents or and especially their parents but it's it's going to require work like it's very rare that you have a situation that's going to make you money and allow you to establish a livelihood from it that doesn't require work and effort on a regular basis, sometimes even beyond what you think a, a normal 40 hour work week would be. Yeah. Like, to be honest, I work more now than when I had a, a full time salary position, yeah. but it feels different. Mm -hmm. I'm working for myself. When I pay the people that work with me and for me, my name is on the check. Mm -hmm. So I'm also working for them to make sure that, you know, I'm bringing effort so that I can keep doing that for them because they're depending on that too. Okay. Um, so keep that in mind. If you are, I would say if you're starting a business, make sure it's something that you either really, really love to do or you really love to be paid to do. Yeah. And there's a difference. You can love to do something, but when it becomes work, you'll find out really quickly if you actually love it or if it's really just something that you, you enjoy. Because when you have to do something that you enjoy, but for work or on, on somebody else's timeline, it can cause a lot of stress that'll make you hate the thing that you're doing. Now, the flip side of it is if you love to get paid for doing it, like, cool. Like, because that means you'll hunt, hopefully. Hunt for it because it's not always going to be right there in front of you. But I would say just keep that in mind. And just because you start a business doesn't mean it has to be this, the thing that you're the best at. It can just be something that you can do, you can show up, you can give effort to, and you can do at a, a high enough clip that allows people to see value or to add value, and you can do it consistently. So keep that in mind as you start a business. Okay. So can you talk about some things that you do to give back, 
you know, to the youth, to the community, maybe some resources that you were given coming up and what you try to give back now to those young people? For sure, yeah. Um, I had some really good uh, counselors growing up. Um, and uh, they, they like, uh, a couple of them. And so they, they helped me out from time to time. But I know they, they had like a hundred and some kids to, to worry about. So, like, I, I couldn't really ask them to do everything. But I did have some definitely good people in my corner. And then when I got to places where I found that I was in a place of, of influence or or uh, advocacy, I definitely wanted to make sure that I gave back as well. Um, so one of the things I do actually that you're a part of, have been a part of, is um, what we call Boys to Men at Southside Church of Christ here in Durham um, with my best friend uh, and the godfather of my son, actually, Greg Hill, who's also my business partner. He invited me to this, this kind of summit style um, discussion which, and really the first day I walked in, well, before we actually back up, before I even got there, he was like, yeah, we play basketball. I was like, all right, cool, I'm gonna hoop, yeah. He was like, but yeah, we give games to the youth. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm down for that. I love that. He's like, yeah, young black men, you know, a lot of which are in, you know, middle and high school, some of them about to go to college, some of them about to go to high school or somewhere in between. And we just really kind of just talked to him. We talked to him from a, uh, um, a growth perspective well, with a biblical tie with just kind of under helping them understand life and also listening to where they are and not just giving advice all the time but also just listening to where they are so that's actually how i met i met josh kind of sort of through that process i uh, met one of our junior associates that works with us corey flagler shout out to corey um met him that way as well and then a couple, few quite a few other young men who are who are brilliant and, and really just good folk um and we're trying to help them continue to be good young men and grow into what it means to be that. Um, so that happens on Saturday mornings and sometimes, you know, other special events through the week, but Saturday mornings, especially, um, I think during the school year and, you know, there's different times for it, but like we show up on Saturday morning about 10 a.m. We start talking about a particular topic and we riff from there. But it's really one of those things that like, I wish that I had had more of growing up not that like I didn't have like I said I had good counselors my dad as I talked about earlier has been a, you know huge person in my corner um I had good teachers coming through I also had some bad teachers but I had some good teachers coming through that took a little bit more interest in me than maybe they they or for sure they had to um and that's been huge and I was like you know what let me make sure I'm doing that for the next person let me pay it forward and I didn't realize how much it would uplift me to do that for these young men, again, the group that you've been a part of as well. It's like, man, I go talk to them and I feel good. Not because, oh, I'm giving them so much advice or I'm giving them the perfect thing, you know, answers to their situations or challenges. But like, nah, they, just being around that youthful energy and spirit, it keeps me young. And, yeah. you know, I mean, like you said, I graduated 2011. So, um, <laughs> but being tied to that has been really, really cool. Um, another way that I um, gave back, and again, I didn't realize how much it would uplift me. Um, was when the Art Institute of Durham in Raleigh Durham was still here, um, I would go and mentor a class or a series of classes like during my work day. Um, and my boss was really cool with it. And um, I told him, especially when I came back and told him how much I learned. And that really helped me kind of become even more professional at what I do in the sense of not only doing it for like our clients or whatever I was doing for that organization, but also like realizing like, hey, this is actually, I've picked up skills and these are skills that these students that are in this you know, college environment don't necessarily have yet because they've not been on the real ground 
of, of doing client work or doing work that they're paid to do or being at a job where you've got to deliver a certain to a certain expectation or you don't get to stay kind yeah. of thing. Um, and just also going back into those classroom settings and realize like I really do know the fundamentals. So it was really uplifting because it built my confidence and then I had to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's been the really fundamental difference for me in terms of becoming more professional, but also what serving the community has done. It's like, it's given me opportunity to say, okay, I actually have to practice what I preach, but then I have to know what I'm practicing and be able to articulate it to those that are either younger or have less experience or those that are equally as experienced as I am or even beyond to know that I'm a, I don't want to say authority, but a person that's actually put work in. Yeah. And that's really been huge. And of course, seeing again, people like yourself, people like Corey that I mentioned earlier, earlier, um, shout out to the rest of the guys in Boys to Men as well. Seeing them actually take some of the stuff that we tell them and apply it to life and then come back, you know, smiling or come back, you know, even in deeper thought, like, hey, I tried it and it worked or it didn't quite work, but I see what you were saying. Yeah. And seeing that understanding, man, that's that's a beautiful thing for sure. Like, and I want to continue to do it. I plan to continue to do it. And, and any other opportunities that present themselves, I try not to hesitate. I have a son now and... Um, Corey and I have had many conversations while working and I'm like, you know, I'm telling you things because one day you're going to tell my son. And it's really crazy because I had a conversation with Corey's dad and Corey was like, you know, or, or Corey's dad, Ed, Ed Flag, shout out to Ed, um, was like, yeah, you know, you guys, you know, Corey comes home and he tells me some of the stuff y'all talk about. And it's like, and I told him the same thing. He said, but I don't mind that y'all tell him. He was like, because, you know, he got, he'll get it. He'll get it from y'all. Yeah. And I was like, well, good. I said, because I'm telling Corey because just like you, you know, my son is going to be, you know, Corey's age one day and he ain't going to get it from me the way, the same way Corey's not, you know, processing it from you, but he'll get it from Corey. Yeah. And so just kind of continue to build that generational wealth of knowledge, not just, you know, financial wealth, but wealth of knowledge and, and preparing the young men right now, especially, especially young black men to say, hey, no, nah, I can not. It's not a burden, but I can take on the weight of preparing the next generation and I'm proud to do it. Yeah. And that's the goal. That Boys to Men program has played a big part in my life too. As he mentioned, I was a part of it when I was younger and mm. um, I still play parts in it now. And it's just, it's great to have that, that male figure to look up to outside of the house. Yep. I'm fortunate to grow up in a house with an awesome male figure and my father, but it's good to go out and hear some of those same things, but in different ways and different stories and apply it, you know, to your future and your life, and then to be able to pass it down to someone else. For sure. I think that's really special too. Yeah, absolutely. And a big shout out to other brothers that are a part yeah. of Boys to Men. Yeah. Um, Kente Dixon, Antoine Fogel. Shout out to Pastor O, Orlando Thomas. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I know I'm probably forgetting names, but, but and I'll definitely shout out to Greg Hill as well. Like yeah. I said, we, we shouted out Greg a couple times, but I know I'm forgetting people. Charges to my, my head, not my heart. But there's a lot of love that goes on there. I also want to give a shout out to Bell Yeager Church, Free Will Baptist Church, uh, also here in Durham. That's where the church I was raised. Sure. Um, so I learned a lot there as well. Um, sang in the choir there with my mom, and that was oh, one of the things. A singer, okay. That, yeah, I don't know about that. I got harmonized <laughs> a little bit. Josh, you the singer. Wait a um, but my mom was the choir director. Uh, she made us be in the choir. <laughs> but again, we had to do certain things where we'd go help, like you know, serve. And, and just do things on the behalf of other people. And it helped me realize that there is a lot of pride and a lot of uplifting that you receive from serving others, yeah. from giving game, from actually giving a plate to others. Yeah. So yeah, I just want to definitely shout them out as well. Cause that really, you know, at 33 years old now, I found myself being 
very introspective and wondering how did I get where I am? How do I how do I get how I am? And a lot of that has to do the positive stuff has to do with those experiences. All right, cool. Um, back into the professional sense a little bit, you know, a lot of young college student aged um, people are going to hear this podcast. What would you say some things are that you look for in employees that you hire? What are some good characteristics to have? All right, let, let me let me be really really specific about this. Let me let me get right ahead live and direct for real. Be conscious of how you show up. I mean, look the part. And I'm not sitting here telling somebody to change themselves to you know fit in, but you do have to make sure that you fit. And by fit, I mean, can that person trust you with whatever duty or whatever job you're applying for? When somebody comes and applies for a job with me or they, they want to be a part of our team, I have to be able to trust that they will represent the Pharaoh 27 brand to the fullest extent. Because oftentimes they may be the only representative of that brand. I may not be there. And I need to be able to trust that they will treat the client the same way that I would, if not better. That they will deliver a degree of work the same way if I, that I would, hopefully better. And finally, that they'll speak in a way that commands respect. I need to know as a person who has people that work with them, work for them, that I, that I support, that you will bring the level of effort that is indicative of the type of product we're going to bring. I need to be able to trust that you are going to be trustworthy. I need the client to be able to trust that you'll be trustworthy. So make sure that you look the part. Make sure you speak the part. And like I said, I use that E word, that effort word. One of the best things I learned about being uh, parts of sports teams growing up is that coaches don't coach effort. You have to bring it. You have to show from an effort perspective that you're going to put the time in to become better at whatever your craft is. You're going to put the time in to serve the client to the utmost, you know, within reason, of course. But part of the thing that I think everybody needs to understand when they're applying for a job or applying for uh, anything that's going to have somebody either paying them for their time or giving them some sort of compensation for time and work is this. You have to show that you are worth that. I'm not saying to work every single time, but you've got to be willing to put the work in. You've got to make that person that's talking to you feel confident like, oh, man, they may not know every single thing, but I can tell by the level of enthusiasm or the level of, of, of intellect they're showing or whatever it is, whatever your gift is. I can tell that, oh, man, they're going to bring it. I can teach them the rest of the stuff. And that's what I look for when somebody comes to work with me. All right. So today is Friday, October 7th, 2022. And that means that it is Mental Health Awareness Week. Mm. So can you talk about um, the importance of mental health in your life? Um, What are some things that you do to make sure that you're, you know, paying attention to the mental side of things and not just the physical? It's a great question, Josh. I mean, this is new for me. I'll be real. Um, Mental health is a thing that, like, I'll be honest, growing up, we didn't talk about a lot. Like, if you talk about mental health growing up, like when I grew up, people say, oh, he's crazy, you know, or she's crazy or whatever. But now I understand a lot more the importance of it, like dealing with stress. Um, as a business owner, I'm never off work. Like, that's one of the things that I had to realize. That's one of the things that people around me, my wife in particular, my kids in particular, have to understand. Um, and then what that does, that has impact on the relationship between myself and them. So that puts a level of stress, some good stress, some bad, that I have to address. Um, there are working with tough clients. There are still things that life, you know, throws at us, like like everybody. And I've had to realize, like, I can't take it on all by myself all the time. 
Like one of the things my friends and I say is when we get into a situation where it might require us to go a little bit beyond what we think, you know, a little bit more like that 110% versus just 100% is, hey, I'm built different. And what we mean by that is, hey, I'm built to last, I'm built to take it, I'm strong, I can do this. And we say it as a confidence builder, but sometimes it can become a false thing because you never actually acknowledge the impact things have on you. Um, so for me in particular, actually, I've just really recently uh, reached out to a therapist and I'm starting that process. Not necessarily because I've had a, a terrible life or anything like that, but I want to make that known that you don't have to have a terrible life to go to therapy. Like mm -hmm. having somebody to talk to and un, um, unload some of the things that you may carry, um, some of the things that I know I carry, some of the anxieties, the stresses, the fears that I have, being able to talk to somebody and have them help me kind of work my way through it allows me to be a better version of me. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've kind of come to the realization to, and like this is literally in the last 24 hours, is the way that I'm good at what I do and the way my company is good at what, what we do is the way that a lot of these therapists out here, and I'm not saying every therapist is great, but a lot of these therapists that are you know really professional, that's how good they are at what they do. So why would I try to be a therapist to myself if there's somebody better at it that can help me get through it? I would expect that same thing from my client. Why would they try to do what we do themselves if I'm better at it and they have the opportunity, the time, and the resources to be able to employ those resources, to be able to employ those services? Yeah. So um, I kind of th I've thought about it that way, and that's really helped me process, like, you know what? No, let me reach out. Let me get some help with the things that I may be struggling with or the things that I'm just tired of or, you know, and find some strategies that will help me continue to be my best me. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely agree with that, 100%. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, currently there's a stigma in society, especially among men um, seeking out help. Seeking and black men in particular. Particularly yeah. black men. So you going into your story of seeking therapy, I think is really important for people to hear. Um, with some of the research that I've done, we're finding that within athletes too, that stigma, where mm. it's not really expected for them to go and seek help. They're making right. all this money. They have all this fame. Why, so they, why would they why, need why that? They need yeah, that? yeah. Right? your life has got to be great. You exactly. make X dollars, you should be just exactly. fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying I'm an, a pro athlete, but as a business owner, I think there's a lot of similarities there of, man, you own a business, you guys are doing well. Like, why would you, why would you not be happy? Exactly. And my personal thought on that is, it's not necessarily that you're unhappy. Sometimes it's the, the ebb and flow, it's the rise and fall. Like, you know, people are going to have highs, people are going to have lows. Right. To me, the transition between the two is really where the stress is. Right. Like, when I'm at the top, like, hey, I'm, I'm feeling great. It's awesome. Like, I'm at the bottom, like, man, this sucks, but I, you know, I'm tired. It's, but okay, I just know I need to go to sleep or, you know, I need to get a little yeah. rest and I'm fine. But the transition between the two, that's where other stuff happens. And that's yeah. where... I think the real stress, the real anxiety comes from is like, man, if I'm down here, how do I get back up there? Right, how you get and back? if I'm get up, if I'm up here, what happens if I go down here? Mm -hmm. And that's anxiety inducing, that's stress inducing. So, I mean, I, I hear you loud and clear from an athletic perspective, from a business owner perspective, from a day to day, you just out here trying to handle business, living life. It ain't easy for nobody. Right. Right. And we, we actually have examples of that, you know, in the sports world for sure. recently with Naomi Osaka, yeah. Simone Biles, them taking themselves out of their sport. People that to are the top. Give time. And, they're the top. Yeah. They're the pinnacle of where they could be. Right. You know, like, like you know, Simone Biles, was it the Olympics, I think, right. that happened? Yeah. Um, and one of the greatest, arguably the greatest gymnasts ever. 
mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, you think about LeBron James, you think mm-hmm. about Naomi Osaka, like you said, like Serena Williams, mm-hmm. just a lot of like people that are from afar. You look at them, Tiger Woods, afar, you look at them like, man, you, you, not only are you the, one of the best in the world at what you do, you're in a pro, you're in a pro sport, you're the best in yeah. that pro sport, so you're the top of the top. Yeah. Why would you have problems? But honestly, it's right. easy to see. Like it's, it's more to life than just what it looks like when it looks like somebody's winning. Yeah. Mm. And so my hope is like society begins to um, understand that more. Yeah. Like everybody needs to seek, you know, some sort of um, uh, ritual within their mental health and, and paying attention to it. Because when you know Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles, they kind of addressed it and they got. You know, some harsh feedback for it. You know, yeah. why are you taking this time out of your sport just to do this? They didn't understand it. So mm-hmm. I think it's something that definitely needs to be more understood, which is why it's great to have weeks like this where, you know, people are paying attention to the need for mental health. Awareness, and, absolutely. Yeah, 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 definitely. For sure. I agree with that 110%. I think, um, last thing I'll say about this is mm-hmm. that mental health is for everybody. Yes. Um, and like you said, I like I like how you you put it. Whatever rituals you have in your in your um, your life to help you cope with that. Mm-hmm. Another one I have for me is prayer. Like mm-hmm. that's just me particularly, not pushing that on anybody, but like that helps me through a lot of things. Um, I have a ritual weekly. I have um, a prayer call with uh, three brothers I'm very um, close to. Um, shout out to Jeremy and Greg and uh, Terry on those. Um, and we every Friday get together. We discuss the highs. We discuss the lows. We pray together. We talk to each other. We also do um, another group called Mary Mondays. We meet uh, usually once a month. We talk about what it is to be a husband, what it is to be a man trying to lead a family in a right way. Like being able to realize that you're not in it alone, whatever it is, has really been truly impactful. And I think it's had impact on them as well, but it's really been impactful for me and my personal mental health. And I feel stronger as a result. Definitely. Definitely, and that's, that's a big piece. For sure. Uh, man, we appreciate you coming on the show. <laughs> no doubt. First show of the new season, and you know this is going to be well-received. Um, we're looking so, forward man. to it. Um, one thing before we go, we want to get some, some rapid questions out of you. All right. Uh, see where you are Let's do it. I in like terms it. of your experience at NC State and just in life in general, right? All right, bet. All right, here we go. So, when you were at NC State, the best place to eat was where? Oh, man, okay. So, it doesn't exist anymore. But I, I got to give a shout out to Chick-fil-A and to Adrian. Everybody know about them. But there used to be this sub spot called Lil Dino's. <laughs> Lil Dino's. Lil Dino's. Like, and it was not little, Lil, Lil. L-I-L. Lil Dino's. And it was like a mom and pop sub shop. And I got really cool with um, a lot of the ladies that worked there. Um, and they would hook me up. Like, I go in there and order a sandwich. And they're like, how you doing today, baby? I'm doing just fine. How you doing, Miss Whatever, whatever her name was, like, depending on who it was that day. And I'm, I'm doing really well. Uh, had developed a relationship with them. We talk about their kids, talk about sports, talk about whatever. And next thing I know, I got a sandwich that's this big. Like, okay. like <laughs> What was on the sub? Uh, I mean, anything like Italian. You know, you got the salami, pepperoni, capicola. Um, or you get the club with the turkey, ham, and bacon. Yeah. Like, one time I walked out of there with two sandwiches because they was about to close and they had to get rid of the stuff. Okay. But I appreciate it. Little Dino's, shout out to them for sure. All right. Shout out to Little Dino's. Little Dino's. Little Dino's. Excuse me. Little Dino's. It right, might have been two. Little Dino's, but everybody nah, was Little okay. Dino's. Little Dino's, keep it there. Um, which sport had the most fun games to go to? 
football for sure football um just because there's there's so much festi festivity around football also we had some really good seasons while i was there i mean that's the russell wilson years okay um and, uh, mike glennon was my last or no russell wilson was the years i was there and then i went back the year after i graduated i was mike glennon but we were, we were putting up numbers we were doing really well like had some great games um basketball is a close second for sure mm -hmm. um i was in the building when we beat uh beat duke there um, they ended up winning the national championship that time, that year, 2015. But mm -hmm. you know, we beat them there. Year. Okay, I was there though. Yeah. All right. Favorite show growing up? Fresh Prince by far. You know the whole song. Of course, okay. including the verse that they only including. do on the very first. Uh, okay. Uh, on the very first episode. Fresh Prince, that's a classic. Oh, yeah. All right. One piece of advice given to you that you still use today. The loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. Okay. Um, came from American Gangster, Frank Lucas, or delivered by Denzel Washington. But he Denzel. says, you know, the yeah, for real. And he delivered it too. Like, the loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. Um, it just means go in a room and don't automatically assume you're the smartest person there. Listen and don't over talk okay. if you can help it, which I don't always do well with that, but I'm trying. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, one piece of advice that you would pass on to the younger generation. What would you pass to college students right now? Two things. Number one is it may get dark at times. Keep going. Keep showing up. Um, if you've only got, you know, you're only feeling 20%, give 100% of that 20% that day. Um, and then the last thing, uh, we talked about it many times uh, through this whole kind of conversation, is effort. Always just give everything you got and show people that you're giving everything you got. And not every single person will help you, but more people will help you than not. And it's okay to ask for that help, but make sure you're doing your part as well. All right. Sounds good. Well, once again, we appreciate you coming on the show. Everybody, once again, this is Mike Farrell, <laughs> the first of many special guests. Uh, looking forward to a great season once again, and thanks for tuning in. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about Student Support Services at NC State.